Good morning, teaching others also. It is Monday morning, February 14th, commonly marked on many calendars as Valentine's Day. And there's all kind of opinions on that, isn't there? Amen. But it is February 14th, it is Monday morning, and we're talking about fishing for souls. We've talked about fishers, and then we're talking about fishing. And we're in John chapter 3, we'll continue there, and we're going to go over to the epistles. We'll go to 1 Peter 1 and 1 John 2 in a couple minutes today. And I want to just let this soak a little bit, I guess. And sometimes uh, hearing things frequently helps us a lot. You know, they were interviewing some fellas uh, recently, as probably was, let's see, what's today, Monday, last night maybe, I read they were... Uh, interviewing them last night, you know, after the big football event and all that kind of stuff. And what they were almost all to a person commenting on was hard work, how hard they had to work at it. And I feel like if the average child of God, the average Christian, the average believer would realize that the even the things of God require some effort and they require working. In fact, if you would, we're in 1 John 3, and keep something marked there, because that's a good thing to do. But uh, if you would, come to 2 Peter 1. I was going to be in 1 Peter 1. We will. And, but come to 2 Peter 1 for a minute as a way of introduction to this week. Let me remind you of a couple things that uh, I need reminded of constantly. I have things all over the place. I have a note here, a note there. Uh, part of the morning routine, part of the mid and af- mid afternoon and evening routine. I don't know how you do it, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that it takes real diligence to be effective in your Christian life. I'm not talking about successful as far as numbers and stuff. God will take care of all that, which we looked at recently in First John three. And in 1 Corinthians 3 and in 1 Corinthians 9. But notice in 2 Peter chapter 1. And in the middle of the thought is verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now some promises are for you to hang on to for eternity. When you're nearing the crossing over to heaven. When you're at heaven's door or when a loved one is at heaven's door. There's promises to claim. When they've walked through into heaven's door, there's promises to claim. But then there are promises like Joshua 1, verses 8 and 9, that have to do with you and I doing our part and God blessing it, honoring it. 2 Peter 1, verse 4 is one of those passages. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that... Okay, that. So they're given to us that, and there's something to go along with this, that. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, etc. And the operative word there being... Diligence, that by these, so we have many promises in our Bible that have to do with you and I 
by diligence being part that we would be partakers of the divine nature now. Now there's way too many that are almost like the old uh, so-called faith healers. That is, they want the divine nature at certain times. And if the divine nature exercised itself at other times, they'd be in trouble. They'd be conflicted. When they're in the pulpit, they want the divine nature. When they're you know, doing stuff, ministry, divine nature. But he wants us to be partakers of the divine nature. He wants us to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, lust is not only, it includes sensual and sexual, but it's not only. In fact, there's a lot of lust that have to do with influence, power, results, income, all kind of stuff. Opportunities, uh, self-satisfaction, feeling good about oneself. That's a lust. Any inordinate affection. So we've been in John chapter 3, and we've been speaking in the beginning of this thing about fishing, the fishing part of fishing for men and for souls. We've talked about the fisher, the person. Now we're talking about fishing. And we've been in here talking about the new birth. And we're trying to get a big picture, big picture of the forest, not the trees. How that the Lord Jesus Christ, all through the min his ministry, the, the Lord God Almighty chose certain accounts to give us to have, to hold, to learn from. John 3 is one of them. We're going to look in several times at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is how he, how he dealt with people. And we've talked about this idea that a few sessions back, seekers are seekers. Be careful of your profiling. In fact, ignore it. Wisdom, yeah. Discernment, sure. But be careful. A lot of us, just you and me, working on what we think we know. And the longer you do personal work, the more you know that you don't actually know what you think you know. And that is not a play on words, I promise. So, when we look at this, we've been looking at this uh, this new birth. So I said seekers are seek, seek, uh, seekers. And you and I are supposed to be ready with a clear answer. And so the idea is seekers are seekers and simple language. Simple language. Not coarse, not base, but simple. Now, if you are simple spiritually in your language not like simpleton if you're simple then that means that you're going to end up being sounding a little bit mystical look in john 3 there nicodemus comes to him and he's wanting to talk about who jesus is and he's wanting to talk about maybe credentials or get some insight and the lord jesus christ goes straight to the heart of the first matter Verily, verily, John 3, 3, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I know some of y'all are scared to death of this idea, this born again thing, because of all the stuff that went on in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know, in Christianity. And often goes on today, too. That you say, well, they're just so airy-fairy about it. Yeah, well, some of you are too scientific about it. You want a formula. And what's amazing is, you're not as you're not as concerned about, you know, 
is this person really born again? You're concerned about whether you know they are and whether they you can convince them they are. Now, is Scripture there for our assurance? Absolutely. I've lived through a time where people were taught by ministries to doubt their salvation, to doubt, you know, their standing with God. And thankfully, the Lord brought me through it. I didn't have anybody close to me at the time spiritually. Uh, I was in a situation, you know, off, at, off getting training, and most of the people there were caught up in it. And God just led me to certain scriptures, and it settled things for me, absolutely settled them. But, however, and I would say this, thank God that I didn't try to hang on to a formula. So what do you mean, brother, by formula? I mean this, I didn't hang on to, oh, I prayed a certain prayer, or I remember I believed this, this, and this. No, when it came right down to it, my assurance was based on Jesus Christ. And did I believe on Jesus Christ? And I've given you a few illustrations of that the last few sessions. Today, I just want to reinforce that it is wise for us to remember that salvation is a new birth. And that so much of our experience, let's go to 1 Peter 1, is about that. By the way, before you go, before you go, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is Spirit, small s. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That is, the wind blows, you and I can't control it and stop it. If you've ever been in a place where the wind really blew, like really strong, you know that you better get yourself in a good place quickly because it's going to blow whether you like it or not. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. Not talking about what direction. You can say, oh, the wind's out of the north today. Yeah, where'd it come from? Oh, I know, I know. All the meteorologists and all this, they want to tell you this did this. And then all of a sudden some blast shows up. Uh, they can't predict where the tornado's going to hit. They can't predict what it's going to do. You know, the hurricane three days from now, they can have all these models and all this stuff <coughs> and all the, all the ideas that they have, but... They can't tell. They can't tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. Watch. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You cannot explain scientifically the new birth. But I'll say this to you. You don't want to go through life being a Christian and not know you have had a new birth. Now, I think the Lord just purposely uses these things so that we'll understand that, that when it comes down to it, it's mystical. For example, if someone said, do you remember being born on such such day in June 1955? I'd say, no, I don't. And if someone says, yeah, I do, they're remembering some story. Somebody told them, because you don't remember. Now, if someone said, I don't believe you were born in 1955, I believe you were born in 1965, I said, I'd say, look at me. Unless somebody tied me behind a tractor and drug me around a gravel parking lot for about three days, you don't look like this and be born in 1965. You were born in 1955 at the very latest. <laughs> so some of us may have been through more, and we may look like we're older than that, 
But we have a general idea. So someone says, well, do you know for sure you were born on that day, that date? Well, no, I'm taking somebody's word for it. Somebody was there a witness. You said, well, wait a minute. What's that mean? That means this. I remember trusting Christ. I remember that time. But I'll be honest with you. My awareness of what happened was not what it is today. It wasn't what it was 12 months later. It wasn't. I was like a newborn babe, and so are you when you get born again. And if we're not careful, we only use this idea of saved because we say, okay, to be saved, you believe this, you believe this, you pray this, this happens, and it's a formula for us. You say, well, do you use verses out of Romans 10 and the Romans wrote? Yeah, but... You know, the Romans road was developed as a formula. Be careful. Now, in 1 Peter 1, verse 23, 1 Peter 1 and verse 23, what, it, what does it say that we looked at? Remember, ready, mark it, look at it. Being born again. Leading up to it, he talks about purifying your souls, unfeigned love of the brethren, love one another with pure heart firm, fervently, being born again. For you to love God's people, it's got to be more than just an association and that sort of thing. You've got to be born again. You've got to be. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Let us never lose. I want to read some verses before I run totally out of time for this morning. 1 John 2. We're going to read the verses and we'll speak about them later. 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. That knocks a hole in some of y'all's political uh, obsessions. He is not talking about voting on the, something you want somebody to vote for up there in the Congress and the Senate. Makes somebody righteous. He's talking about actual righteousness. 1 John 3 verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For a seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he's born of God. Your new nature cannot sin. It's not possible for it to. If it, if it was possible for it to, then you're not born again. See? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And we're not talking about love, you know, like the free love of the 60s. We're talking about genuine godly love. If you and I, are not experiencing the love of God, we should stop and say, Lord, I am born again, but why am I not demonstrating it? See you in the morning.